We had left the pavement an hour before. And we still had another hour to go. We waited for the cows to pass. And we continued on. We passed by a structure. It was a post standing upright, and there was a post that was lateral, and there was a thatched roof. There was no walls. There was no floor. And our driver said, that's where Pastor so-and-so lives. I can see it in my mind right now as we passed by there. And finally, we saw some people, women, kids, all dressed up. They were walking to where we were driving. <laughs> and we pulled up to a, a cinder block structure, no windows. Well, it had wooden shutters that they closed. No lights, no electricity. And we had the generator. We had a keyboard. We had speakers mounted on the roof of the car. And we had some, a piece of meat stuffed under the seat that would be our dinner that night. when they would bring their plastic table over from next door, set it in front of the building, and watch her and I eat. And call it an honor. When we would leave, there would be no electricity, no lights, an empty cinder block building now when we were there the, the place was packed wall to wall and then when they threw the shutters open there there were people around each one of those openings out there I would guess maybe there was 300 people out there I don't know where they came from they said when they would play their music, they, the missionary, he played it so loud. He said that's how they know it's time to come. And they come walking from all over the countryside. Now, these people were believers in the Acts 2.38 message. Repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost. They must have had some mighty crusades in that building to reach all those people. No, nah, I don't think so. No. I think people became teachers and they turned and they taught their neighbor. 
they were taught. And then they turned and taught a neighbor or a relative, a loved one. And one by one by one by one by one by 300. Two hours off the pavement. Anybody have a hard time getting to church tonight? Did you bump up against any resistance, you know, heavy traffic, you know, you had to make your dinner on that, in that microwave oven? <laughs> you just couldn't figure out what to wear, but you finally threw something on and you got out the door. Because it's a struggle. We should get around more. I sat in a class where I was teaching 40 people. And they said those 40 people were elders over congregations of people mounting to the thousands. In an apartment, up in a building, there was no sign they didn't give each other's last names to one another because they were in Shanghai, China and it was illegal to do what we were doing teaching what we were teaching we should get out more Acts chapter, no, 1 Timothy 4, 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue thou, or continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So I should hear it, I should embrace it, I should study it so that I know it, so that I can continue in it and walk in it so that I might be saved and that I might be able to turn and share it and teach it and discuss it in any venue in the world. You know, there are some people tonight that meet under a tree. Probably not at night. Probably in the day. I joked with somebody and said if they were meeting in Puyallup, it would have been a tarp. See, we have associated so much with Structures, presentations. We've poured a lot into it. We've given lots of thought to it. And in our concept, much of what we do is we come and observe. Much of what we do, we come and observe. 
maybe our focus should turn to that which we do, that which we say, that which we communicate. What is it that we are a witness of every single one? Every one. Now, Acts chapter 5 at verse 17. We have entered into significant times. Then the high priest rose up, all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. The angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Angel, talking to people. Imagine that. New Testament. Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. Bring those prisoners. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors but when we had opened we found no man within there's nothing impossible with him say that with me there's nothing impossible with him matter of fact with God all things are possible to them that believe now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain of the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You filled this city 
with your doctrine. I was watching an interview, a couple different guys, along with Pastor Anthony Mangan. They weren't letting Brother Mangan say anything yet, but they were doing all the talking. And the one man who's very well known, apparently, says, I never even heard of you. I never even heard of the UPC. Never heard. Wow, we're making an indent. We're making an impression. Look, they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. You think it was by having a couple of church services once a week? You think it was because the apostles were the only ones that were opening the word and sharing? Do you know how the word gets multiplied? You've read that, right? And the word of God was multiplied. You know how that happens? It's when somebody receives the word of God and gets up the next morning and goes to work. And on lunch break, one of their cronies says, Hey, how was your weekend? It's great. I had this happen one day. And the man said he went to work, and the guy says, How was your weekend? He says, Great. Uh, the elder preached on uh, Jezebel. Really, what about that? And so he began to share. The word of God became multiplied on Monday morning. And it can be multiplied on Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday night. And whenever it is that the hearer turns and goes and opens their mouth and shares, then Union Gap becomes filled with our doctrine. With the apostles' doctrine, with the doctrine of Christ, with the doctrine that saves me and them that hear me. Okay, let's not establish a border around Union Gap. Let's go ahead. Let's go on into Yakima. And down into the lower valley and under the upper valley. Let's go to Titan. Sunnyside. Mabton. Parker. The word is multiplied by believers that take the word and they share it. You realize there was a miracle that took place when Jesus broke the bread. It didn't start out as 5,000 loaves. I think it was just a couple loaves and a few fishes. But when he broke the bread, the bread became multiplied. And what little was given then became shared. And again, the miracle took place of multiplication. When one turned and gave to another, gave to another, gave to another, the supply just never ran out. That was the miracle.
I am, this isn't, sorry Brother Bergen, can't take the call. I, this is not, doesn't originate with me, that it doesn't matter to you. But I'm believing God to raise up an army of believers. Not a handful of preachers. An army of believers that will fill our city with the doctrine of Christ by sharing. Now, I alluded to it a little bit on Sunday. You know, when you go through an Exploring God's Word Bible study or a Search for Truth Bible study, you'll see parallels. And you'll read the scripture that says these are written for our example, for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. These are patterns. These are types and shadows of the things to come. From the building of the ark, Noah moved with faith and built an ark to the saving of his house. That is a type. That is a shadow, a pattern of the things to come. And they went out of Egypt and the, the lamb was slain and the blood was put upon the doorpost and they went out across the Red Sea and all the Egyptians were annihilated behind them. Their bondage, the things that their deliverance came and their bondage was destroyed in the waters of the Red Sea when God caused the waters to come back down. Upon them, They went out into a wilderness and then God gave them a, a tabernacle plan. And in the tabernacle plan there was an altar of sacrifice. There was a brazen laver of water. There was the holy place. There was the table of showbread. There was the altar of incense. Then there was the holy of holies. The ark of the covenant. Overlaid with gold. The wings of cherubims over the mercy seat where God's presence would be manifested. These are all types and shadows of, a, of what would come to the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. To the application in the New Testament of repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Romans says, we're the, therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we also shall walk in newness of life. Types and shadows and patterns all pointing. These are the doctrine of Christ. Now, if we just go around, you know, with a, with a bumper sticker that says, Obey Acts 2.38. It ain't going to go very far. And it doesn't say very much. But when I, as a believer, study to show myself approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth, I become convinced and persuaded that when I share, it comes with conviction. When we share, it, it is... It is given with conviction because I own it. I've experienced it. I've studied it. I know it. You can't persuade me from it to wit that God was in Christ 
reconciling the world unto himself and has imputed the word of reconciliation unto us. When we embrace all of this, I become the minister of God. You become the minister of God. At Denny's, at the office, in the commute, in the break room, you become the minister of God. Any scenario that God arranges to bring you into the company of an individual significantly in times of crisis when people are stopped in their track and say I don't know what to do and you can come alongside let me help you let me share something let me give you an eternal truth that will bring a fullness a joy, an abundance of joy into your life because the kingdom of God is not eat nor drink nor any such thing, but it's peace, joy, righteousness in the Holy Ghost. It takes us too long to get here. I know that it's been over the years of looking these were scriptures up, sharing them with others, and the process of communication, all right, you realize that when you think to explain something, It becomes formulated in your mind. Okay? It becomes embedded. This is why the teacher learns the most, not the student. So if I have embraced and I study and I learn to explain, it becomes embedded. That whenever situations present themselves, the word becomes mixed with faith and there is an outward flow. There is a witness of the Holy Ghost in the hearer. If I can say it's easy, it's that easy. It's that simple. It's that simple. But it doesn't come from just coming and listening, hearing, shouting, singing, enjoying the company of each other. The hour's late. I was riding home with Brother Leslie one time and I said, I met a guy, I had to do a job down in Sunnyside and he needs a Bible study. He said, hold on right there. 
he went in the house. He got him a Bible study chart. He got him a Bible study manual. He came back out to the car and he said, here, go teach him. I studied that first lesson. I read that thing over and over. I tried to memorize it. It was too much. And my wife and I, in her little VW Volkswagen bug, drove to Sunnyside for the first Bible study we ever gave. <clears throat> of course, the devil was fighting us all the way. We got mad at each other in the car. One of us had to get on the floor and pray while the other one was driving. Get to the Bible study. But there it began. Then there was another one, and there was another one, and there was another one. I don't memorize just to memorize. I memorize while I'm explaining. I go through the act again. I go through the act again. This is why I tell you, for my Bible study on baptism, I know I'm going to start with Matthew 28:19. I'm going to go to Luke 24:47, then I'm going to the Book of Acts, because this is how my mind works. Matthew 28, 19 was the command that Jesus gave. Luke 24, 47, he reassured it in another book and said that these things would happen when they got to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2 is when they got to Jerusalem and the apostles obeyed the command of Matthew 28, 19. It's not like there's two options. It's not like there's two choices. It's not like you can say, well, I'm going to obey Jesus, not the apostles. How ridiculous is that? He said, what did he say? Teach them, go and command them whatsoever I've commanded you. Tell them whatsoever I've commanded you. In other words, when we rightly divide the word, we realize the, apostle, the book of Acts is the historical account. It's the encyclopedia. It's the history book of what the apostles did after he left them. And they obeyed his command. It's important for us to know because it is the name that brings remission. It's the name that brings forgiveness. The application method was in water because we were to be buried with him. Romans chapter 6. The more you spend time reading over these scriptures, the picture becomes very clear. So, the Bible says every man should have an answer for the hope that lies within us. What's our hope? Well, we are the redeemed. We know we've been bought by his blood. 
our sins are remitted. It doesn't matter what the accuser says to us. We know the book. We studied the book. We applied the book. <clears throat> there are people in your world that need you because you're the witness. You're the witness. You have to gauge when the moment presents itself to open your mouth. What do I say? What do I say? What do I say? Don't worry what you're going to say. The Holy Ghost will give it to you in the time of need. telling you it's the truth it's the Bible not the computer <laughs> Jesus name Jesus name let's stand for a minute Father I want to know my place in your kingdom, I want to know my place. I want to walk in the path that you have ordained for me. Not my friend, not my mother, not my close relative. I want to walk in the path that you have ordained for me, Lord. I pray that my life be yielded to your leading, Lord. That you would order my steps. Even in your word, that you would lead me in your way, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There's no fulfillment in trying to be somebody else. There's no fulfillment in trying to fill somebody else's shoes. You have the calling of God upon your life and he has ordained and purposed for you you remember the prayer meeting Ananias was having and the Lord spoke to him told him to go pray for a person in town said he's uh, you know on 38th and Knob Hill he's at the bowling lane And Ananias said, hey, he's a bad dude, man. He is bad dude. Gang-related. He's killing Christians. He's locking them up in prison. My wife will never let me go. Well, he's already had a dream. I gave him the dream. And in the dream, a guy with your name was coming in to lay hands on him and pray for him. A man by the name of Ananias. It's in the book. Read it. So you think that was the only time that ever happened, right? You don't think that set precedent for the future? You better believe it has. That tells me there are people... 
in our sphere of influence. And God's either already shown them your face or given them your name. That something is going to come into their life when I run into this person. It's his purpose. It's his plan. Sit down for just a minute. I want to talk about the work of the Spirit. <clears throat> I've commented on this at different times. I just can't remember where. The work of the Spirit is eternal. If I am a Spirit-filled believer and I engage in praying in the Spirit, then what I'm doing is releasing spiritual utterance. It's the holy unction that the Bible speaks of. We have a holy unction spiritual utterance like when God said let there be and there was so if my praying in the spirit is has its origin in the unction of God it's only a matter of time when I've released that out there when I have felt of the spirit to pray for an individual or maybe even speak something in prayer about an individual. It's only a matter of time. Time's the thing that trips us once in a while. You know, because we have moved into the push button time period. Microwave. T in three seconds, you know. Faith tells me I will watch for it. I will wait for it. I will not even enter in again and beg God for it. I will wait for it. It's perpetual. If I avoid these seasons in my life because I've become busy with life, I'm probably not going to experience that. It's not the same as coming and singing a song and feeling the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues for a few minutes. It's engaging when the Spirit of God leads you there and gives you the utterance and you speak it. That word will not return void, but it will prosper whereunto he has sent it. These, do you understand? It is these principles, embracing these truths and principles that changes us, that shapes who we are, that builds up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm just reciting scriptures to you. I'm just quoting scriptures to you here all night, aren't I? Those words are the absolute truth. 
this world stands upon his word so let's go back to where we started study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth again the process of explaining cements it in me as the teacher as the sharer as the speaker in a conversation the method of explaining I feel like I can just say that over and over about ten times you know what I'm saying if I'm going to teach you how to do something as I teach you that process it becomes stronger in me. You hope it for the hearer, but it becomes stronger in the teacher. We should all become teachers. We've been students. Let's be teachers. blessed to receive from the ministry of Bishop Schoonover. As he was talking about teaching, I could, I could probably get up to ten or more things that I would say are not, not spiritual, but that he's taught me. He's my father-in-law, right? So he's taught me a lot. iPhone 3. Does anybody remember an iPhone 3? Does anybody remember iPhone 3s? He broke his one time, and then he fixed it, and then he thought, he thought, I can teach somebody how to fix this. And he taught me. I just go over to their house one time for a random whatever weeknight, and he's like, hey, let me, let me show you this. You pull this screw out, and you take this ribbon and put it over here, and make sure you keep those screws in line. You... And then he'd get to one, one spot and he'd pause for a minute. What did I do there? And he'd remember it. And then he'd, he'd walk me through it. We'd get it put back together. And he's like, yep, that's all there is to it. That little office right there, those walls. He taught me how to make that by doing it. He showed me, he said, you got to get the right boards, you got to face them the right way. Oh, it was nothing when it was just two by fours. He, he, it, it becomes the nature of a person to teach. It just does. If you do something long enough, it becomes the nature of the person to teach. I was remembering one of my... Um, one of my supervisors one time after I had kind of fir first started this, this job. I'm trying to be quick, but I got to give you a few details. 
You know, in, a, in an interview, in a job interview, you're not allowed to ask, are you married? Do you have children? Those kinds of things, right? Most of us probably know that. So they can't ask it of you. But if it's information that you want them to know, you can freely offer that information into a job interview. And you better believe if you have five kids, you want your employer to know that in some fashion. <laughs> so I had mentioned it in the interview. And then one of the first times after that, when I was hired and the supervisor was uh, just wanting to know a little bit more, you know, tell me about your family. Tell me about... And... Um, Honestly, I don't remember. It's, um, I think we cleared an hour very easily of me just talking about my, my kids. And there's this one, but then you've got to know about this one. And it, this is what they're the same at. This is what they're different at. And I don't know. Finally, I stopped talking, and my supervisor said, you know, your face just lights up when you were talking about your family. And I thought, really? That I'm just telling you what makes them who they are and what... And as I was just thinking about that, the, I felt the Lord almost, I guess I could say, convict me because I want to have that type of a, of a closeness with Him and His Word so that it doesn't become some, how am I going to explain this to somebody? How, you know, I, I don't really, I don't ever go into a conversation thinking, well, how am I going to explain to somebody how I'm a father? How, how, how am I going to get the right words out that I have uh, this daughter and this son? And, you know, that's just second nature to me. I just talk about it, and whatever comes out, comes out. But it's because I live it every day on a daily basis. There should be nothing harder about sharing God for us. I mean... He's our father, first of all, right? If I can talk about my kids, I can talk about my father. Amen? I can, I can just, and we get so um, bogged down with thinking, well, I, what if they ask me this? What if, how, how am I going to answer this? What if this oneness idea comes up? Or what if this worship, I, whatever it is, we, we kind of, talk ourselves out of it before we even get into it a lot of times. But I don't do that in any other facet of my life. Why, why is that my approach or my mindset when it comes to the idea of how to talk about the Word of God or, or my experience with the Word of God, my understanding? Because that's all it is. Let me ask you this question. I don't want you to give me your normal answer. I just want you to think. What do you do for a living? This is a trick question. What do you do for a living? If my answer to that is I'm an accountant. Oh, so you only get to live because you're an accountant? Well, no, I don't believe that at all. What do you do for a living? Well, my, if you want to know the honest answer, my life revolves around God. I mean, I happen to work at this location. I happen to have spent this much time in studying this field or working in this area or whatever. 
But that's not what I do for a living because I think we all know in here if we lost that job tomorrow, we would say, okay, I'm, I'm still going to have a living because I haven't lost the source of my life. So what do I do for a living? I trust God with every moment of my day. At least I try to. For a living, for my life, this is how I got my life. Now, I mention that because I, I don't know if, if you've had this same encounter as I have, but maybe it's a guy thing, I don't know. But a lot of times... A conversation with a stranger starts there. I say stranger. Somebody you don't know, never seen before, never talked to before. You know, think of it like an elevator conversation. You're stuck there. You've got to acknowledge the other person's presence, right? Or you're waiting in line or, or whatever it is. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody at a restaurant. I don't know. I'll tell you one thing. I was in line at Costco. <laughs> this, is, this is kind of funny to me embarrassing. I was in line at Costco and the family right in front of us looked so, so, so much like a family that I haven't met but I've heard about from my wife and from my kids. I'm thinking I'm about 90, 90% sure that that's probably them. And this is very awkward. This is out, out of character for me at all. But so I finally got the right moment, and I said, is your last name? And I said the last name, and he says, no. Oh, I better run and hide then. No. He says, no, my last name is this, and he told me. I thought, oh, really? I work with a guy whose last name is that. Where do you work? Well, I'm learning this one. I'm learning this one. About 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, I'm at the courthouse. But that's not what I do for a living. I am also, my life revolves around my relationship with God. I'm involved in the ministry at this church in Union Gap. Oh, really? What church is that? How did we get to talking about God and, the, and my involvement and my relationship with Him from a simple, are you or are you not? Well, I'll tell you how. I finally made the decision. I will ask this question, even if I look dumb. Because I guarantee you, if I would have sat there and convinced myself, it might be, it might not be, I probably just won't ask it. Then the conversation never would have been had. Come to find out, he just moved here from Canada with his young children and his wife. And you know what? That feels a lot more to me like worthwhile spending of time than waiting in line being quiet and just thinking all these thoughts in my head. In my head, I could, I could think, I can convince myself of whatever, but I'm usually convincing myself of the reasons why I shouldn't say anything. But I'm, I'm just, I'm giving you this. I believe it honestly. If we try, if we, if we have a mindset that says when it's a question like what do you do for a living? Do you just want to have a 
meaningless conversation with someone by talking about what you do from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, so that you can get past that little social awkwardness? Or do you want to try and make it meaningful? Amen? Can we pray? Lord Jesus, I thank you for speaking to us. I thank you, God, that you would live a life through us, God, if we would allow you to. Father, you are the source of all that I have, God, and every, every moment of every day is a gift to me from you. I pray that you help me, Lord, use this. Help me use this with the proper understanding, with the right mind frame. Lord Jesus, that I would willingly share the truth of who you are. Lord, I could share my relationship with you. God, I want it to be real, first of all, between you and I. Lord, I want to spend time with you and have a relationship, Lord Jesus, that just comes out of everything else that I do, Father. Because it is in you that I live. It's in you that I move. It's in you that I have my being, Lord. I would not be here if it wasn't for you. Jesus, I pray that you help me. I pray, Lord, that you put wisdom inside of us, that you give us understanding and knowledge, Lord Jesus, not according to this world, Lord, but as it comes from you. Father, I believe that you would give us each words to say in every setting where we find ourselves. God, I believe it if I yield to you that you will give me the right words to the right person at the right time. I know it, Father, because it's who you are. It's how you operate. You have chosen us to be witnesses. You've chosen us to be vessels, Father, filled with your spirit that you could operate through. That you could operate through. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I commit my time to you. I commit myself to you, Lord Jesus. I want you to reach through me, Lord. I want you to speak through me. I want you to share through me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, in your name, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.